0: you were to go to a baseball game concert you would be handed a, a program as you walked in and you look at that program and you would then learn who's uh, who's up next or what song is being played next as you walked in this morning you were handed An outline of where I was headed this morning this morning my outline is so simple that you don't need it oh I hope you take advantage of it I hope you take notes I hope you find some some truths that we're going to uh, expose from Scripture that will be life-changing and transforming for you. But the outline is so simple that you you can easily put it in your mind. We're gonna focus our attention because of the Scriptures. We, We draw meaning from the Scriptures. We call this exegesis, exegetical preaching. The, the, the truths that we we highlight come directly from the text we're going to talk about two men the bully and the betrayer the bully who brought injustice to Jesus and the betrayer who brought injury to Jesus I'm going to um, I'm going to flesh out my sermon in a sentence with these two men and their lives my my sermon is 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 but six words we can boil it all down to just six words and after i say them if you would like to get up and leave that's maybe okay i won't be hurt here it is jesus bore sin to forgive sinners jesus bore sin to forgive sinners our text this morning comes from john chapter 18 last time as we were in john 18 we we saw jesus um, arrested in the garden judas betrayed him This morning, we we begin uh, looking at the two different kinds of trials that Jesus experienced. He experienced a religious trial and then a political trial. The religious trial was from the the Jewish uh, authorities. The political trial was um, before the Roman governor, Pontius Pilate this morning we're going to look at just just the first one the the religious trial and I put the word trial in quotation marks um, because it's a it's a sham it's it's um, um, an offense to a proper judicial process we're looking at John 18 beginning at verse 12 and I would invite you to follow along as I read aloud So the Roman cohort and commander of the officers of the Jews arrested Jesus and bound him and led him to Annas first, for he was father-in-law of Caiaphas, who was high priest that year. Now Caiaphas was the one who had advised the Jews that it was expedient for one man to die on behalf of the people. Simon Peter was following Jesus and so was another disciple now that disciple was known to the high priest and entered with Jesus into the court of the high priest but Peter was standing at the door outside so the other disciple who was known to the high priest went out and spoke to the doorkeeper and brought Peter in then the slave girl who kept the door said to Peter You are not also one of the men's disciples, are you? And he said, I am not. Now the slaves and the officers were standing there, having made a charcoal fire, for it was cold and they were warming themselves. And Peter was also with them, standing and warming himself. The high priest then questioned Jesus about his disciples and about his teaching. Jesus answered him, I have spoken openly to the world. I have always taught in synagogues and in the temple, where all the Jews have come together, and and, and I spoke nothing in secret. Why do you question me? Question those who have heard what I spoke to them. They know what I said. When he had said this, one of the officers standing nearby struck Jesus, saying, is that the way you answer the high priest jesus answered him if i have spoken wrongly testify of the wrong but if rightly why do you strike me so Annas sent him bound to caiaphas the high priest now simon peter was standing and warming himself so they said to him You are not also one of his disciples, are you? He denied it and said, I am not. One of the slaves of the high priest, being a relative of the one whose ear Peter cut off, said, Did I not see you in the garden with him? Peter then denied it again. And immediately, a rooster crowed then they led Jesus from Caiaphas into the praetorium and it was early just like a good novel there was a back and forth between characters and you see how the story plays out as each character takes another step forward in the storyline and so our text begins with Annas and then shifts to Peter and then back to Annas and then back to the Apostle Peter if I was to put a, a harmony of the Gospels in your hand and you would see this uh, religious trial again in air quotes in front of you 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 would have matthew and mark and luke and john's records right there for you to read you would find some differences remember the synoptic gospels meaning similar are different from the supplemental gospel john's gospel in that they they include different pieces of information matthew mark and luke for example give us Uh, detail about the religious trial before Caiaphas John mentions the trial before Caiaphas you'll you'll see it in verse 24 of chapter 18 where Annas sends Jesus bound to Caiaphas and and then in verse 28 he's led from Caiaphas Uh, but but there's no detail of the the trial that Jesus endures before Caiaphas instead John mentions what the other three do not mention regarding this religious trial namely that Jesus stood before Annas who was this guy who was Annas well in verse 13 we read that he was the father-in-law of Caiaphas who was at the end of verse 14 identified as the high priest that year it doesn't mean that Annas and Caiaphas flip-flopped one year one's the high priest and the next year the next one's the high priest No, in that year, in that fateful year, in that year that Jesus was crucified, in that year, Caiaphas was the high priest. Now the Jews had a long-standing tradition that that one who is high priest stood as high priest for the rest of his life. And there was only one at a time now caiaphas is mentioned in verse 13 as the high priest but i find it interesting that elsewhere in the scripture annas is also mentioned as the high priest for example when um, luke introduces the baptist he says in the high priesthood of annas and caiaphas the word of the lord came to john son of zacharias pilate acknowledged the same kind of tricky relationship here between annas and caiaphas later in chapter 18 of john's gospel verse 35 Uh, Pilate says your own nation and the chief priests plural delivered you to me what's going on here well Annas was appointed high priest in AD 6 now you you have to understand that the high priest Um, was the 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 highest authority in the um, in the Jewish culture he was uh, the one who sat over the Supreme Court the Sanhedrin Um, this was um, something as Rome walked in and took over uh, the Jewish world um, the Romans didn't, uh, didn't buy into Jewish tradition of having one person be the high priest for life. No, that was something that the Romans uh, had their fingers all over and they controlled that. The person who was high priest went to the highest bidder. That is, that Jew who was able to buy bribe their way into that position was given the title and the authority in 6 a.d Anis was the one who ponied up and vowing loyalty to rome uh, uh, bought his way into that particular position Now he was high priest from 86 to 15. In that year, 15 he was deposed by the Roman governor Valerius Gratus. Now Gratus was Pontius Pilate's predecessor. He served as the governor, and no doubt. Annas did something to tick off the new governor. And the new governor, having the authority to do so, deposed Annas and got another high priest. But in the nine years that Annas served as high priest, he dug his fingers very deeply into Jewish culture and society such that he established a dynasty. Five of his sons. One of his son-in-laws, whom we know to be Caiaphas, and one of his grandsons served as high priest. And he was the one pulling all of the strings on that marionette. the Jews hated Annas he was he was a brutish bully and the entire dynasty of Annas was loathsome was a curse word in the mouths of the Jews in the first century listen to the words of 19th century scholar Alfred Edersheim he wrote this no figure is better known in contemporary Jewish history than that of Annas no person deemed more fortunate or successful but none also more generally execrated that is abhorred cursed, than the late High priest. Listen to these words in the Talmud. Now, the Talmud is a uh, a detail of Jewish law and tradition uh, a few centuries after Jesus. Quote, Woe to the house of Annas! Woe to their serpent's hiss! They are high priests! Their sons are keepers of the treasury. Their sons-in-law are guardians of the temple. And their servants beat the people with staves. Why such angst? Why such vitriolic hatred of this man and his ilk, his children? Well, there's a long list. But let me boil it down to just two things. First, as high priest, Annas, Caiaphas, and all the sons, grandson, the high priest is responsible for setting the tone of communion with Yahweh. They are to be the embodiment of submission to the Lord God Almighty. But Annas and his family presented themselves not as those submissive to Yahweh, but those submissive to the Romans. They were in bed with Rome, and the people hated them for that political loyalty pushing God out of the temple altogether. Oh, but all of the temple work was still intact. And here's the second reason why the Jews hated Annas so much was because of the way they, they, they twisted all of what happened in the temple. As high priests, they were there to lead the people, to to accept their offerings unto the Lord, their offerings of money, their offerings of, of sacrificial animals. When people traveled to Jerusalem, as was the uh, required habit of all Jewish males, um, into Jerusalem, they, they often came from foreign lands, and as you would expect, they had foreign currency, but foreign currency by Jewish law was not allowed into the temple. It had to be temple currency. And when they brought an offering, uh, not of money, but of animals to, to, to sacrifice, they, they had to be uh, without blemish. They had to be healthy animals. N- no disabilities could be seen on these animals. And so, Annas saw an opportunity to help travelers coming into the city who, who may not have had the the, the, the the best unblemished animals in their in their in their flock. They may have come with with, uh, with with their foreign currency, and and so he provided a way for them to these travelers, these worshipers, to to to. Um, transfer their their foreign currency into temple currency and he, he provided a way for for them to bring their animals in and if if, if they were were uh, did have blemishes they could have a pre-certified blemish free animal to sacrifice unto the Lord now on paper as an idea that sounds wonderful what a way to help out people they 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 just simply want to come and worship the Lord and if he can make that that pathway clearer well that would be a good thing would it not well Annas set up shop in the temple It was called the Bazaar of Annas. It was a money making marketplace where people would come and they would want to exchange their foreign currency for temple currency, but the exchange rate was exorbitant. And when they brought their animals, Annas hired inspectors that would ensure that those animals being brought into the temple for sacrifice were indeed free of blemish, free of illness, free of of deformity. But routinely, it didn't matter the condition of the animals, those that were brought into the temple were deemed to be unfit for sacrifice. What he provided then was a way for for uh, worshippers to purchase animals that had been pre-certified as being blemish-free, healthy. The Scottish uh, scholar William Barclay noted, quote, "Outside the temple, a pair of doves could cost as little as four pence." Inside, they could cost as much as 75 cent pence. That's what we call usury, graft, corruption, abuse. This is the work of a bully, taking advantage of people, not doing his job, but stealing from those who came simply to worship the lord on two occasions john chapter 2 matthew chapter 21 at the beginning of the end of jesus life we have recorded in scripture um, jesus walking into the temple and cleansing the temple of all of this corruption and abuse of Yahweh worshipers it's only recorded twice uh, but knowing Jesus I wouldn't be surprised if he did this every time he walked into Jerusalem he stepped into the temple and he saw the bazaar of Annas in in full in, in 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 full speed and he cast them out here's what we need to take note of as we look at this bully named annas every time maybe not every time but every time jesus stepped into jerusalem stepped into the temple annas took a financial hit. He had motive to make sure that Jesus was taken out. He was not the high priest officially. He didn't have the name on his business card or the title on his business card high priest anymore but people referred to him as the high priest much as we refer to past presidents in this country as mr president so annas was mr high priest he was the marionette master so why is it that john includes this particular event with annas and not the official religious trial with Caiaphas. I think it's because he saw in Annas a picture, a description, uh, uh, a, 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 a a a blood and bones kind of of representation of the kind of person Jesus. Came as a sac- sacrifice for. Look at verse 19. Here's more of this this uh, episode that Jesus um, uh, encounters with Annas. We know he's he's standing before Annas, and that it, it, verses uh, uh, 13 um, tell us tell us that verse 19. Here, here's you get to the the, the meat of of this. Uh, Interrogation. The high priest then questioned Jesus about his disciples and about his teaching. Now, Annas was not interested in learning anything about Jesus, what he said, what he stood for. He was looking for dirt. He was looking for anything he could claim that he and his son-in-law, Caiaphas, could pin on Jesus as a justifying reason to exterminate him. Jesus answered, verse 20, I have spoken openly to the world. I always taught in synagogues and in the temple where all the Jews came together, and I spoke nothing in secret. What Jesus said on one occasion was what he said on another. He didn't have one private message one, and then one public message. He was consistent all the time. So now Jesus goes on the offensive in verse 21. Why do you question me? Question those who have heard what I spoke to them. They know what I said. Now what Jesus is doing is he is forcing Annas to stare into the Jewish law. The Jewish law described in a a court proceeding like this that the accused would would, would stand before the magistrate, the, 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 the Jewish authority, and the charge would be read against him. And then witnesses for and against the accused would be brought and their testimony would be weighed in this kind of a court proceeding at this stage the accused would say nothing the accused would be asked nothing it was all to 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 establish the charge and witnesses for and against the the, uh, the accused person would be brought forward. In other words, in every step, Annas has violated the law he is there to uphold. Jesus challenged him on that why do you question me that was not his place that was not the time for the accused to speak he knew that bananas also knew that he didn't have anything of substance to bring against jesus oh he wanted him gone and bad but he was trying to walk this line Uh, between uh, the law and his desire isn't that the way sinners work we will use the law as long as it serves our interests but when it no longer serves our interests or we can't get our own way with the law then we will do everything we can to get around it that was Annas verse 22 when Jesus had said this one of the officers standing nearby struck Jesus slapped Jesus we might render it is that the way you answer the high priest now this is an underling who is looking to score points with his boss Annas Annas is standing there, having been challenged by Jesus, and now he has egg dripping from his face. And so here is this underling who stands up for his boss. Is that any way for you to answer the high priest? And Jesus turns and answers him. If I have spoken wrongly, Testify of the wrong. Have I said anything? Have I done anything incorrectly in opposition to Jewish law? Point it out to me. But if rightly, if I have spoken rightly, why do you strike me? Are you not interested in the truth? do you not live according to the truth jesus might have also said to this man and now both of them have egg dripping from their face i suppose there are some who would say jesus isn't isn't um um isn't, isn't following his own words uh, because of, 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 uh, of, of how he is um, taking offense and, and, and being very direct with Annas and this underling officer. And I want you to notice that Jesus um, uh, took his own medicine. He turned the other cheek. He submitted to this unjust, unrighteous trial. He submitted to this unjust, unrighteous execution stake that we call the cross in order that he might glorify the Father and fulfill the Father's will. Back to our sermon in the sentence, Jesus bore sin to forgive sinners. We find the first three words of that six-word sentence right here. John includes this account that Jesus has before Annas in order to highlight the kind of sin Jesus bore. Sin that is abusive, corrupt, unjust. Second page of your notes. Second individual. And when we talk about uh, a betrayer in the context of the New Testament, the first person that comes to your mind, maybe the only person that comes to your mind, is Judas, the son of Simon from Kiriath. We call him Judas Iscariot. Oh, he, indeed, he was a betrayer and he showed his colors like we knew he would. He stood with the unbelievers and stood against Jesus in the garden. We expected that. Not a surprise. This one, however, is a bit of a surprise. This betrayer's name is Peter. Verse 15 of our text Simon Peter was following Jesus, and so was another disciple. Now, we, we read in Matthew's Gospel, chapter 26, when, when Jesus is betrayed by Judas with that fateful kiss, Jesus, on, on, on two occasions, demands that they look at the subpoena and they say, um, or whatever piece of paper they had in front of them, the, that, that says, that says we, we have a warrant for his arrest. Jesus made sure you're looking to arrest me and not my men is that correct and that that's what they affirmed and as they as they arrested Jesus and bound him the disciples scattered they ran but very quickly there were two that came to follow to find out what was going to happen with Jesus the Lutheran scholar Lenski commented love drew them to follow fear kept them at a distance it was Peter and this other disciple simply referred to as another disciple who was that one who was the second one well we, we we are not sure but it is my best guess, and I have a long list of people that um, I, I could, could name in support of this. I think this is none other than the Apostle John. Now, we, we know from a variety of places here in John's Gospel when, when he refers to himself, he often speaks of himself as the disciple whom jesus loved i think this is just another way for him to describe himself he is simply another disciple now there's a lot of people there are there are some that would would um, uh, challenge that and say well we, we don't have any hard evidence that that this is indeed uh john the son of zebedee well well that is 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 true that we we don't have um um a a very clear uh description somewhere else maybe in the new testament that the other disciple is john um but but it's really not that far-fetched to 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 see that it could be john Uh, I I put these uh, um, notations in front of you in Mark chapter 1 we find out that John's dad 70 um, had his own fishing business he didn't just have his sons um, James and John working for him he had other men that he had hired in other words John came from some money And it's not too far of a stretch to to, uh, postulate that this John, a fisherman from Galilee, was connected by a single marriage to the high priest in Jerusalem. It's entirely possible. And it's John who gives us detail about what is transpiring particularly with two men in the Sanhedrin he appears to have intimate knowledge insider knowledge about Nicodemus Joseph of Arimathea these two men that were on the Sanhedrin he seems to have some insider knowledge that somebody that was related to the high priest, that came into the high priest's compound with regularity. I think this other disciple is John. Now, if it's not John, we don't know who it might have been. But let's just surmise for, for this period of time that it was. Simon Peter was following Jesus and so was another disciple. Middle of verse 15. Now that disciple was known to the high priest and entered with Jesus into the court of the high priest. So that the person who was at the gate recognized this other disciple. I'm going to say that it's John. Recognized him and let him in. Now this was a a secure facility you don't just let anybody in you have to have security clearance and john had that verse 15 i'm sorry verse 16 peter was standing at the door outside peter did not have that kind of clearance so middle of verse 16 the other disciple who was known to the high priest went out and spoke to the doorkeeper and brought peter in then the slave girl who kept the door said to peter you are not also one of this man's disciples are you you know what we don't have we we have the words of scripture but we don't have the intonation we rely so much on a person's intonation to discern what do you really mean are you angry with me are you upset with me are you teasing me Uh, are, are you just just being that way we can't read into this girl's words exactly what she was meaning Most people say that she was challenging Peter. Hey, wait a minute! Aren't you one of those disciples with that man, Jesus, just, just walked through here a little bit ago? She may have been challenging him. I think she was teasing him. I think she was sticking him with a stick poking him with a stick saying i know who you are think about it if this is john he would have been in the high priest compound and seen by the doorkeeper this slave girl repeatedly she knew he was clear she would have let him in and as such she would have known that he was a follower of jesus and so now john goes down and says to her on behalf of peter hey he's with me you can let him in and she does there is an element of trust between this doorkeeper and john and so now there are two disciples of jesus she doesn't challenge john she just challenges jesus i'm I'm sorry she just she just challenges peter about jesus but is she challenging him at all i think she's just poking at him hey i know who you are (laughs) yeah i i know you're with you're with jesus right the manner in which she asks the question uh let me say it differently the words she uses in asking the question makes it very easy for peter who may not have been able to read her she knew john and john knew her but peter had no knowledge of this slave girl she made it very easy for peter to deny that he had anything to do with Jesus. You are not also one of the man's disciples, are you? Oh, it would have taken so much more energy. Peter didn't want to bring attention to himself. It would have taken so much more energy for him to say, oh, no, 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 I, I, I actually am one of Jesus' followers, but you see there was this incident in the garden. and No, he didn't want to go there. So he just said, no, no I'm not, not the guy. My friends, the first lie is always the easiest. And following this, Peter felt like he had to keep walking down that path. Verse 18. Now the slaves and the officers were standing there, having made a charcoal fire, for it was cold and they were warming themselves. And Peter was also with them standing and warming himself. So at this point, all, all we've had is the slave girl, the doorkeeper, who has said, Are you with this guy? I know who you are. And Peter said, No, 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 yeah, you got you got the wrong. So he stands by, by by the fire with these with these other people because it's cold outside all right then we have this this uh, uh, incident with with jesus and his uh conversation with with annas story picks up in verse 25 now simon peter was standing and warming himself so they said to him you are not also one of his disciples are you Now the slave girl doorkeeper may have been poking Peter with a stick. She may have been teasing him, Joshua, playing with him. But the effect was, it focused the eyes of attention on those other people that were standing around that fire, on Peter. And as he stood there warming himself the light from the embers of that fire illuminated his face and the people standing around said no no wait a minute you are one of his guys middle of verse 25 he denied it and said i'm not you got the wrong guy one of the slaves of the high priest being a relative of the one whose ear Peter cut off everybody knew what Peter did he said did I not see you in the garden with him now think about it if your cousin gets attacked by this big strong burly old fisherman dude and he tries to lop off your cousin's head and then you find jesus either picking up his ear or creating a whole new ear and and and, and reattaching it you are never going to forget that scene you're never going to forget the faces of the people that are there and so here's this relative of Malchus. Remember, John, I think, was the, this other disciple who had ends with the high priest. He knew the names of the servants of the high priest. John's the only one who identifies the one whom Peter tried to kill as Malchus. He knew these people. and he challenges this relative challenges peter did i not see you in the garden with him then peter denied it again now we know from the synoptics that we that that jesus predicted and indeed there were three denials by peter well you find one denial in um, uh, verse 17 of our text Uh, there are some that say well the second and the third denials are in verses 25 and 26. there are others who say no as, as you harmonize the accounts verses 25 and 26 are the third denial they're all it, it's compacted together there's there's one denial there's there is the point of accusation and then this relative who piggybacks on that observation and say wait 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 you you are the guy you were there and then Peter denies it so are there are there just two denials here or are there three here well to to get mired in that um, that debate is to miss the point the point is to be found in Luke's gospel chapter 22 Look with me at Luke 22, verse 60. Peter said, man, I do not know what you're talking about. Immediately, while he was still speaking, a rooster crowed, and the Lord, verse 61, turned and looked at Peter, and Peter remembered the word of the Lord, how he had told him, before a rooster crows today, you will deny me three times. And he went out and wept bitterly. Peter, the rock, the one on whom Jesus said he would build his church, this one betrayed his Lord. This is the one who who had that great confession of faith, Matthew 16. You are the Christ, the Son of the living God. Yes, you're right, Peter. And on that confession of faith, I will build my church. You are the rock. And yet he betrayed his Lord. There's no evidence in John's Gospel. He, does, he just doesn't mention it. That in the uh, with with um, uh, Jesus, I'm sorry, with Peter's second denial, he swore with an oath that he did not know Jesus. Matthew tells us with the third um, denial, Peter was cursing and swearing he went back to his his old crusty fisherman uh, vocabulary and he said he denied categorically with with all kinds of foul stuff coming out of his mouth that he knew nothing of jesus nothing of jesus peter aren't you the one that said just hours before i will go I will die with you. How easy it is for us to find ourselves in a similar situation. Uh, may, maybe because we are discouraged. Maybe because we are alone. M- maybe because we are in a state of doubting all that we Thought was true. We find ourselves denying our Lord, confessing Him to be the Lord, and then cursing Him. My sermon in a sentence Jesus bore sin forgive sinners Peter lied tried to cover up his lie he denounced his Lord brought shame to the name of Christ we won't take time now we will get there in our study of John's Gospel but we will find Peter later restored and forgiven by our Lord this is the message that we need to hear because by our actions by our words sometimes we betray our Lord we walk in the footsteps of peter to our shame Let me draw a couple things together by way of conclusion when we come to the lord's table that was enacted on that fateful night the synoptic gospels matthew mark and luke all record those words where jesus instituted his supper and and how we are to commemorate it there is a fourth testimony to those words of institution and they uh, they are found in paul's first letter to the corinthians this happened to be the first Uh, the the first recording of these words. And if you want to turn with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 11. Verse 23. For I received from the Lord, the Apostle Paul writes, that which I also delivered to you. That the Lord Jesus On the night in which he broke bread with his disciples, took bread. Is that how your Bible reads? No, it's not. Uh, Try this one. On the night in which he broke bread, Jesus was arrested and took bread. Is is that how yours reads? No. Uh, Try this one. On the night before he was crucified, jesus took bread is that how your streets no what does it read the lord jesus and the night in which he was betrayed took bread betrayed by judas yeah but by who else There is forgiveness, there is restoration only in Jesus, the one we have offended. In 1791, at the age of 35, Wolfgang Amadeus Mozart, was conscripted by his patron count von walsig to write a requiem a requiem is a, a, a funeral mass he was conscripted to to write a requiem for his beloved wife who had died mozart himself unexpectedly died that same year before he finished his requiem in D minor. But he was far enough in the process that was finished by a student of his. He was far enough in the process that I, I, I bring to your mind uh, some of the lyrics of that requiem. Mozart wrote Remember, merciful. Yesu, that I am the cause of your journey. Jesus came seeking, saving sinners. Sinners who are unjust and corrupt. And abusive. And those who are betrayers. Indeed, all kinds of sinners. He bore all sin, all kinds of sin, to forgive sinners who come humbly, submissively unto the Lord seeking begging for that forgiveness I hope you're on that list blessed Father what a privilege it is for us to look into scripture and to see your perfect righteousness meted out in Christ the perfect man offering self as a perfect sacrifice to forgive wretched sinners who repent of their sin and come humbly submissively into the presence of the Savior looking for that which we cannot obtain ourselves namely forgiveness find us as a group of people and as a as individuals in that group who are repentive submissive seeking your forgiveness we welcome it embrace it in the name of the Savior we pray amen